We have, uh, for the last four weeks, been in a series of messages uh, around the story of uh, the Israelite nation crossing over the Jordan River under the leadership of Joshua to take possession of the land that God had promised to their ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to be the inheritance of the people of Israel forever. You may know a bit of the story that Moses led the nation of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. Um, they, they came out with just God performing miracle after miracle after miracle for them. And they arrived at the Jordan River and Moses took a spy from each tribe of Israel, 12 spies, sent them into the land to spy out the land before entering. And those spies came back. Ten of them said, we can't, we can't do this because the, the inhabitants of the land are giants. Their cities are fortified to the heavens. They're, they're just undefeatable. Two of the men, two of the spies said, no, God has promised God is faithful, God is powerful, we can go in and take possession of the land. Those, their names were Joshua and Caleb. Uh, but they didn't go in, and as a result, for 40 years, God judged the nation of Israel, and they wandered around in the Sinai Desert, kind of uh, 40 laps around Mount Sinai, if you will, and... Uh, Finally, Moses passed away. That entire generation that had come out of Egypt passed away, with the exception of Joshua and Caleb, those two faithful men. Joshua succeeded Moses as the leader of Israel, and now they had come to the banks of the Jordan River. And they're they about to cross and we, we watched them cross over these last few weeks, and we're going to be talking about that this morning. But this is uh, kind of our last visit now to Joshua chapter 4, and uh, would you stand with me and let's read our brief scripture together this morning. The people came up out of the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month, and they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. And he said to the people of Israel, When your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know, Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. This is God's word. You may be seated. So as I said, we, we've spent the last four weeks unfolding this amazing story of the Israelite nation crossing over the Jordan River to take possession of the land. Our interest this morning is really just in the last two verses, verses 23 and 24, and, and of those two, verse 24 most specifically. I want you to observe with me in verse 24 that not just Israel, but all the peoples of the earth were on God's mind and heart during those days at the Jordan River. Verse 24 says, so that all the peoples, let me back up to 23, for the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over so that, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Not just Israel, but all the peoples of the earth were on God's mind during these events. The key issue in verse 24, and therefore the key issue in this whole business of God drying up the Jordan River at flood stage so that the nation of Israel could cross over, 
is world evangelization. It's world evangelization. You ever wonder what God is up to, know that, that that's it. The Israelites really understood this. Psalm 96, 1 through 6 is a great example. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Listen, declare his glory among the nations. Declare his glory among the nations. His marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Declare his glory among the nations. Jesus prayed similarly in John 17, 20 to 21 where he said to the Father, I do not ask for these only, speaking of his own disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that's you and me, that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us. Why? So that the world may believe that you have sent me. Paul picked it up in Ephesians chapter 1. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his kind intention which he purposed in him with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth. If you ever wonder what God is doing as you look at the the morass of history, As you read the Old Testament, you go, this sounds a lot more like war to me than reconciliation. This sounds a lot more like conquest than than the Great Commission. Understand that God is always at work weaving history together to an intended end. And that is to bring everything in heaven and earth together under the lordship of Jesus Christ. That day is coming. That day is coming. The key phrase that unlocks verse 24 is just two words, so that, so that. The Lord dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty. All that went before, as it is recounted in chapters 3 and 4, took place so that all the peoples of the earth would see and hear and know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that his people then would fear the Lord their God forever. There are four dynamics in this story that set the stage, set the stage for achieving the goal of, of world evangelization. There there may be more here. We're going to observe four dynamics in particular. First of all, the leaders had to take risky steps of faith and obedience. Looking back in chapter 1, we we saw that the leaders uh, commanded the, the people In response to Joshua's command, the the officers of the people commanded the people to prepare both practically. In chapter 1, prepare yourselves, he says, get your stuff together because in three days we're going to cross the Jordan. Get ready. Pack your bags. The officers got them ready spiritually in chapter 3 when he said, consecrate yourselves, set yourselves apart to God's purpose because tomorrow, tomorrow, the Lord's going to do wonders among you. He's going to do amazing things. He's going to perform a miracle. Consecrate yourselves. So the, the officers of the people prepared the people both practically and spiritually. Then, 
the Levitical priests, the Levites, had to pick up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth, the symbol of his power, his presence, his atonement among his people, hefted it onto their shoulders, and then walked obediently into the river, and they took their stand there. And if you're here for the first time this morning, this river that they're, that they're stepping into is at flood stage. It's spring. Spring rains have come. The snows on Mount Hermon are, are melting, and it all flows. All the tributaries of the Jordan flow down from Mount Hermon. So all that snow water and all those rains and all that mud and all that silt had swelled the Jordan River. Geologists say maybe two and a half miles wide, and it's coming fast. That's what they had to walk into with the Ark of the Covenant on their shoulders. And they had to walk in and take their stand there. They were to be the first ones to get their feet wet in a risky step of faith and obedience. It's always the leaders, always the leaders who are called to go first. Second dynamic here is that God acted to dry up the Jordan River as he promised he would. And as soon as the, the, the little toes of those Levites touched the river 20 miles upstream, God caused the river to stop at a place called Adam. And the water just stacked up there, it says. And so as that water flowed down, the river Jordan was dried up, an act of power just as he had done to the Red Sea over 40 years earlier for Moses and that generation that came up out of Egypt with him. So we've got leaders taking risky steps of faith and obedience in response to the command of God and then God acting in power. We saw a few weeks ago, we used the illustration of a a motion-sensing light switch and, and observed the fact that all the power is there in the wires in the wall, but until motion is detected, power is not revealed. It was as the leaders stepped into the water that the power of God was revealed. That sounds like they're getting electrocuted, doesn't it? Just thought of that. But obedience had to come first. Faith had to come first. Risk had to come first. And the leaders were the ones who were called upon to do it. Third, the, the people then had to follow the leaders in an act of risky faith. And remember, we saw that they were to follow the leaders, but as they were doing that, they were fixing their eyes on God, symbolically represented by the Ark of the Covenant, trusting that, that God would continue to command that river to stand still until every last person, every last animal, every last piece of baggage had passed over the dry riverbed. It says there in, somewhere in there, <laughs> that they passed over in haste. They hurried over. Why? Because there's water up north. <laughs> and always in the back of our minds, isn't, isn't there this thought as we're, as we're taking steps of faith, what if God changes his mind? What if God doesn't come through? But they believed God. They fixed their eyes on him and they followed and crossed over. And then finally, the fourth dynamic is this, that the story had to be faithfully passed on to the next generation. This was a moment for that generation, but, but what God did and all that took place in that moment was to be communicated to all generations. The faith had to be passed on. The baton of faith had to be faithfully passed from generation to generation to generation. And when you've got leaders leading in faith and when you've got God acting according to his promise and when you have people who are willing to follow and take risk, risky steps of faith and when we are willing to tell the story of God's power and might as we experience it, then you've got something to share. In your program this morning is literature about vision next. You may be wondering what 
that is. Some of you have heard a lot about Vision Next. Some of you have only heard just a little. But here's what I want you to understand, and we're going to be talking talking about this this morning, and I'm going to share with you how you can participate in Vision Next and what it's all about. But please don't miss this fact, because if you miss this, you're going to miss the whole point. And the point is this, that Vision Next needs to be understood in terms of LifePoint's part in the overall mission of Jesus Christ in the world. Vision Next needs to be understood in terms of LifePoint's part, our, our part here in this community, in this place, in our time, in the overall mission of Jesus Christ in the world. God calls us to be faithful where we are. He, he calls us to tell his story where we are. And that's what this whole thing is about. In 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 20, Paul, writing to the church in Corinth, said this, All of this is from God, who, through Christ, reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us, who did he entrust it to? us, the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. God has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. It is the continuation of the ministry of Jesus Christ in the world, as the Holy Spirit was given and fills the church, we are to continue the mission. Jesus said this in a variety of ways. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Go and into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And that was just three examples. Jesus was always saying to his disciples as he approached the end, as he was approaching the cross, and and during the time after his resurrection, telling them, I am sending you. He's entrusted to us the message of reconciliation. That's what that mission statement is about that you see on the banner every Sunday morning. We are continually going to the people of our world, inviting them into welcoming communities and leading them in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the way we understand what we do here. So what is Vision Next and how does it fit into all of that? Well, Vision Next is a three-year generosity initiative that will prepare us as a church to acquire property that will in time become the home base from which we will conduct our mission and ministries in this community. So what is it specifically that that we want to do and why do we want to do it? Well, we want to position ourselves financially to be able to acquire a building to renovate for our purposes or up to 10 acres of land on which to build in the future. We have had opportunities. We've we've seen pieces of property. We've seen various things, and we have not been in a position as a church to act upon it because we simply do not have the cash reserve to do that. So for all of us as families, as individuals, when we've made a major purchase, a car or a home, we know that you got we've got to save up some money we've got to find that down payment somewhere scrape it together so to that end we we want to engage together during these next 3 years in an initiative of intentional generous giving over and above our regular tithes and offerings so that when a building or an appropriate parcel of land becomes available then we're able to make an offer put a, a down payment on something Well, why do this? 
Why do this? It's because of that ministry of reconciliation. It's because of that commission that we have as the people of God in the world today. God has provided over these nine years for our ministries in various ways. Our ministries have grown, but we realize, here's what we realize, that in order to fulfill our stated vision, which is to multiply Christ followers, to multiply leaders, to multiply small groups, to multiply churches throughout the South Sound region and beyond, we need to move beyond the constraints of rented facilities that are only ours for a portion of one day each week. We feel the need now in this new chapter of of LifePoint's history for a facility that is ours 24-7, 365, that offers adequate space for ministries to grow and flourish. So another question you might ask is why now? Why right now? Why, Why are we doing this now? We've kind of been doing this rental thing for nine years. What's so magic about now? Well, number of things, four in particular. The first is this, that that we believe that renting is not ultimately the most God-honoring stewardship of our financial resources for the long term. And make no mistake, we meeting here at Timberline is a bargain. And, and the combination of our rent here on Sundays with our the rent of our office and the rent of our storage unit, still a bargain. But renting... Is just money down the hole, month after month after month. Second thing is this, that we are aware of that our tenancy here at Timberline probably won't last forever. We have great rapport here with uh, the, the principal, with the administration, with the faculty, with the staff. We have a, a good rapport with the district. But policies can change quickly. We, we saw that happen already once in the history of our church. Third thing is this, that the Olympia metro area, you may not be fully aware of this because it happens gradually, but in fact, we are growing very rapidly. Uh, we are listed, the Olympia metro area is listed as the 23rd fastest growing metro area in all of the United States. Percentages, of course. Well, we are growing, and we're growing rapidly. Uh, the two fastest-growing cities in our state are either side of us in DuPont and Yelm. Uh, those areas are growing very fast. Over the next decade and a half, Thurston County is anticipating an overall population surge of 40%. Uh, traffic is going to get worse than it is now. The largest percentage of that growth is expected to be absorbed by the city of Lacey. And here's what we realize as we, as we look at those statistics, because not only residential growth is coming, but commercial growth is coming. And that could result in limited available land being snatched up for development and, and could send prices soaring even higher than they are now. So there is an urgency to our timeline. The fourth thing is that we want to be ready to respond and not just react to that growth. We want to get in front of the curve so that uh, we can leverage that for the sake of the kingdom of God. So we believe that God is challenging us now to take a large faith step acting decisively now to create momentum toward a permanent facility in the future. Uh, Studies have shown that healthy, portable churches tend to uh, grow quickly when they transition into a permanent home. And so in a new building, we could reasonably anticipate upwards growth of 100% within the first few years of occupancy. What's all that going to take? What's the bottom line? Our estimates for purchase of land of adequate size to accommodate our present ministries and growth over several years is somewhere between $800,000 and $1.5 million. 
Uh, we have the opportunity to acquire loans from two financial subsidiaries of Converge Worldwide, which is the movement that we're with which we are affiliated. We would love to, to be able to raise sufficient funds here uh, within our congregation so that we don't have to incur significant indebtedness. But here's, here's really the bottom line is that pursuing this God-sized vision is going to take significant sacrifice. It's going to take generous investment from the LifePoint family. We know that. That's why I'm sharing this with you today. I don't want to pull any punches. I don't want to suggest that it's going to take less than what it's going to take. It's going to take a big effort on our part. To get to, to from where we are to where we've never been will require all of us to engage in this process with unity and intensity. What are the anticipated wins? What, what are the outcomes that we hope for? One is that we think this will be a catalyst for growth and momentum. People get excited not about buildings per se. They don't get excited about programs necessarily, but they do get excited about vision. And as new people come and we have guests every Sunday, um, we believe that this is going to be a, a catalyst for people to want to be a part of what God is doing here. And he's going to grow us in the process. Secondly, a transfer of energy. You know, if you look around you this morning, you see a lot of things that uh, aren't going to be here tomorrow morning, right? Uh, and there are people who arrive or who get up very early every Sunday morning. They they put the ignition key in a truck or a van and they, they pull a trailer here and they unload that trailer and then others come along and take all the stuff off of that trailer and and do all the setup in here and in our children's classrooms and our adult classrooms, set out signs. And then a few hours later, they take it all down again and put it back in the box, put it back in the trailer and deliver it back to where it's stored. It's a great deal of effort that's required to transform high school classrooms into appropriate spaces for children. Uh, a great deal of effort is made to decorate the space in which we meet in a manner that's portable. And, and creating decorations that are highly portable is always a challenge. I, I could go on. There's a long list of, of ways that, that we expend energy here and that we'd like to transfer into other areas of ministry. Third, we anticipate an increased harvest. We want to be able to keep inviting people into welcoming communities, keep leading them in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and, and a permanent facility will provide a center for communicating the gospel and then for making disciples of all ages in appropriate, age-appropriate learning environments that are permanent. Fourth is an expanded reach. You know, success in ministry is not ultimately defined or measured in terms of our seating capacity. It's really defined in terms of our sending capacity. And one part of LifePoint's vision that is yet to be fulfilled is our desire to, to multiply reproducing churches here in the South Sound region and even beyond. And so we envision a, a new campus as a home base for mentoring, for equipping, for sending church planters and new congregations. Uh, our hope is that LifePoint would become a regional center for leadership development and church planting. Um, over the last couple of weeks, we've remembered the, the life and the ministry of Billy Graham. And, and if you take the, the ministry of Billy Graham and then you combine it with other people that do crusade-style evangelism, like a Luis Palau or a Greg Laurie, you stack all that together, there are more people coming to faith in Christ today through church planting than through all of that combined. Church planting today is the most effective vehicle we have for evangelism. And, and so uh, hundreds of new gospel-preaching churches need to be planted we may not plant a hundreds of churches, but in partnership with other evangelical churches in the community, we might do that uh, to evangelize the current population of Thurston County, but also to accommodate the growth that's projected for our region in the coming 15 years. And so our hope is that God will allow us to play a significant role, make a meaningful contribution 
to a powerful expansion of God's kingdom here in Thurston County in the years to come. Fifth is an extended legacy. And, you know, I I think it's probably a product of the color that my hair has gone to and uh, the age at which I've arrived. I spend a lot more time these days thinking about the next generation than I ever have before. Uh, We have great dreams, all of us do, for the years that lie ahead of us in our own lifetimes, right? But we also pray and hope, don't we, that that LifePoint will outlive us all? That it, that it will become a, a church where, where new dreams of faithful and creative and courageous obedience to God are formed in the hearts and minds of our children and our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren. You see, it's by our sacrificial generosity now, today, in our lifetime, that we can affect generations to come for the kingdom of God. Sixth is an improved serve. LifePoint has cultivated a culture of community service, especially through our investment in Timberline's Homeless Backpack Program. Here, we, we're well aware of that. The Boost Scholarship Fund that grew out of that, other community investments and engagements. We can improve our serve by designing a campus that effectively serves those needs and others. I, I've been asked, if you guys move out of Timberline, are you going to abandon the Backpacks Program? No, we're not going to abandon the backpacks program. We, we made a commitment. We're going to keep that commitment as long as we possibly can. But here's, here's what I know, that there is a gravitational pull in every faith community, every church, towards turning inward and being only concerned about ourselves and about the the functioning of our own ministries. We have to resist that gravitational pull. We have to fight to maintain an external focus. And, and, And so we will, again, be inviting community leaders, as we have done in the past, into our church to talk about what are the needs, the real needs, not just the imagined needs, not just the perceived needs. What are the real needs that you are seeing in this community that, that a church like LifePoint could meet? Uh, and so we want to design a building. And, you know, the other thing that happens in churches is that you build a building and, and all of a sudden it's all about keeping the carpet clean. And we need to not go there either because it's all about service. So we've thought about a number of ideas, and these are just ideas, and I share them with you to stimulate your creative imagining. For example, hundreds of young families reside here in Thurston County in Lacey for whom daycare or after-school care is in short supply. Uh, A daycare facility on our campus could meet those needs educational space and volunteers could be provided to tutor the hundreds of students in our district who need help beyond the classroom. And we could be those tutors. We could provide space for that tutoring to take place. An athletic field on our campus would be in high demand for youth sports. There aren't enough fields in Thurston County to keep up with the demand. Meeting space could be included to fill the void experienced by local businesses and homeowners associations, state agencies, other organizations. John Davis shared with me one day this interesting factoid. He said, Jim, there are, there are literally, and no exaggeration, literally millions of square feet of empty office space in Thurston County. But there is hardly any available meeting space. And so uh, to do that, to make, to, to provide meeting space could build a huge bridge into our community. Shared workspace could be provided for remote workers who, who just uh, need Wi-Fi in a place other than Starbucks to plug in and work. That's one of the interesting phenomena in our current economy is these new startups that happened entirely from a laptop in a coffee shop or somewhere else. 
that could be a great bridge. Uh, a free or low-cost medical clinic could meet important health care needs for low-income residents. And, uh, you know, there's a church that Marcy and I used to be a part of in Vancouver, Washington, that has uh, had a clinic like this for about 25 years now. And I asked the pastor last time I saw him, are you still doing that clinic thing? Is that still going on? And he said, yeah, and it's, a, it's an incredibly vital ministry in our community. And uh, I'm just totally intrigued by that thought. A commercial kitchen could help to feed the poor and homeless. And a cafe might provide a community gathering space for seniors and people of all ages. A warming facility could be provided for our neighbors during times of cold weather and power outages where they, can get a, where they can get a hot cup of coffee, simple meal, even a hot shower, charge their cell phones. Several years ago, we had that long extended deep freeze. Some of you remember that? Three or four years ago. I was on the, you know, the power was out in our homes and I was on the way to work one day in my car during that and the announcer was listing this is a local station. He was listing places uh, where people could go to, to just get warm. Uh, and he listed a, a dozen or so places. And how, it, it struck me that out of that list, only one of those places was a church. And I thought, what kind of opportunity are we missing with all of these churches in our community? All it takes is a large generator and you're in business. And... Uh, what a, what a great thing that could be. You know, the possibilities for, for service to our community in an established facility are limited only by our community awareness, our creative imagination, our loving and courageous investment. And, and so let's be thinking together as, as time progresses here about what that might look like. Well, why should... I be involved? Why should you be involved? Well, LifePoint Church had its beginnings when a small number of families chose to invest prayerfully, chose to invest practically, chose to invest invest financially, believing that through their faith-motivated efforts, God would do abundantly more than they could ever ask or imagine. We're now at a similar moment when, when God is leading us to the next level of his vision for our church. Someone referred it to it this week as Life Point 2.0. And, and achieving that vision will require the faith-filled generosity of individuals, of couples, and entire families, children, youth, and adults. How can I be involved? Well, each of us can share in, in this partnership by investing three ways, prayerfully, practically, and financially. First of all, prayerfully. We are calling everyone to increased prayer during these weeks, these 40 days of prayer that we've been referring to and throughout the three-year process. And we are asking God uh, to provide us with all that we need and more. Jesus said to his disciples, if you being sinful know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? And so often we have so little because we ask so for so little. And we need to learn to ask for much. God is honored when we ask for much. Uh, God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to, according to his power that is at work within us. You can be involved practically. Let me back up and say about the prayer uh, dimension. Uh, you can pick up one of these uh, stylish wristbands that uh, will uh, remind you to pray regularly. There's a prayer calendar at the back. March 23rd and 24th, we're going to have a 24-hour period of, of prayer and fasting, and we're asking you to sign up for a, an hour or a half hour in which you would just focus on prayer during those 24 hours. And also on Friday night, March 23rd, there will be a prayer gathering over at the LifePoint Church office for those who would like to participate. 
Secondly, you can be involved practically. There are so many areas of ministry here at LifePoint Church in which you can invest and serve. Uh, Youth ministry, children's ministry, hospitality, music, worship, and more. And so we're calling everyone to contribute to the health and the effectiveness of our church by choosing a place to serve and being faithful there. Uh, When our ministries are fully staffed, we trend towards health. Third, you can be involved financially. And here's the deal. Everyone has the opportunity to contribute generously, creatively, beyond their regular tithes and offerings in a way that stretches our faith, in a way that honors God, in a way that builds our church. And so we're calling each of us to that over and above generous giving. But when we say over and above, we mean you're not taking away from your regular giving to give to Vision Next. You're giving in addition to your regular giving. Well, how do I make that commitment? Um, In your program this morning are uh, some items, some lots of paper this morning, right? There's this one called that says commitment card on the front. Uh, if you would just take that out for the moment and, and turn to the inside of the cover. Uh, first thing we want you to do is to pray. And, and we want you to ask God to show you what he would have you give. If you're married, do this with your spouse. Don't do it without your spouse. Um, But sit down together and ask God to show you what he would have you give. Um, You know, if you ask, if you call me and say, Pastor Jim, how much should we give to Vision Next? I'm going to say, give it all. Just liquidate all of your assets. Send them in. So I'm sure that if you talk to God, he will be much more measured in his response and much more wise. So talk to him first. Pray. Secondly, then, we're going to ask that you record your financial commitment over a three-year period uh, on the back of this flyer. Uh, It says, my total investment in Vision Next over three years will be. And then to take that total commitment and break it up into 36 months, if you want to do it monthly or if you want to break it into however many... 156 weeks, I guess that would be, um, if you want to do it that way, but the, the duration of the period and, and then figure out what your periodic gift will be to meet that goal over 36 months. And then we're going to ask that you record all of that on the insert that's inside there and bring that with you in two weeks, March 25th, which will be our Commitment Sunday, Celebration Sunday, uh, in which we'll ask you to make your commitment to LifePoint Church and Vision Next. Uh, If you can't make it on the 25th, you can also mail or deliver your card to our church office. Uh, If you forget for some reason to bring this on the 25th, we'll have more copies available here on that day. Here's some other considerations. Uh, Some have asked me, um, you know, if if you had cash in hand and, and you know, you had enough cash that came in early and you were able to make a move on a piece of property or on a building, uh, would you do it before the end of three years? The answer to that is yes, but we don't want to incur significant indebtedness. So here's, here's a consideration that some of you might be able to do. Some won't, some will, but consider a first fruits offering that you would give up front. Maybe you'd say, here's a, here's a lump sum of money that that I can give up front, either in addition to the, my 36 months of giving or, or I just give the whole thing. Everything I'm going to give to, to Vision Next, I give it up front as one lump sum. Um, we're calling that just a, a first fruits offering. And, and you can make that kind of commitment as well. And it's also there on your commitment form, uh, a space to fill that in. You might consider setting up automatic payments. Uh, for your monthly contribution. I'm convinced that automatic payments are, um, you know, a gift from God to those of us who are forgetful or lacking in faith uh, because it just goes once we push the button, right? Third, consider other than cash gifts. You might have a, you might have stocks, you might have bonds, you might have real estate, you might have automobiles, you might have a boat, something that you would say, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to, 
sell that or I'm just going to give that and, and we can receive those kinds of gifts as well. Um, if you have a rather large, nice yacht and you just want to give it, you can just bring that to me personally. Just deed it over and I'll use it in ministry, I promise. <laughs> or a house in Cannon Beach, I'll receive that as well. Fourth, consider matching funds. Some of, some of your employers will match funds, match contributions to charities. And uh, we have a way to enable that to happen. Um, a lot of times uh, businesses won't give to churches, um, but we have set up a, a system by which that becomes possible through an organization called the National Christian Foundation. And uh, we can receive those things that way. I'm going to close in just a moment, but here's, here's a few things I want you to understand. Um, we are committed to the highest levels of financial integrity here. And I want you to know that, that anything that you choose to give to Vision Next, will every penny will go to Vision Next. It's not going to grow legs at some point and walk over into the general fund. Okay? If we have a growth in our general fund that's beyond our need and we have a reserve that we can do that, that money might grow legs and grow, walk over into Vision Next. But nothing you give to Vision Next will be used for anything but Vision Next. Another thing I want you to understand is that the pastors and the elders here at LifePoint are committed for the long haul. There's going to be stability over the next several years unless God takes us home or does something we just can't anticipate. We are committed here for the long haul. Another thing I want you to understand is that as your pastor, I refuse to manipulate you, coerce you, uh, use guilt as leverage. I'm, I'm just not going to go there in any, nor will our elders. But so that what you give to Vision Next really is between you and God. But here's what I am going to ask you to do. I am going to ask you to give generously. And more than that, I'm, I'm asking you to go beyond generosity to sacrifice so that you have a, an experience of, of understanding God's faithfulness because you can never outgive God. Sacrifice has been defined as giving up something you love in order to achieve or acquire something you love more. That's a great definition. Some of you know the name of Jim Elliott. Jim grew up in Portland, Oregon. He's a local boy. As a young man in the 1950s, he responded to the call of God on his life to attempt to reach the Aka Indians, a Stone Age tribe in the jungles of Ecuador, with the gospel. And not, not long after he and a number of others that he was with arrived there, they were speared to death next to a river by those that they had hoped to evangelize. But that wasn't the end of the story because the gospel did eventually make its way into the hearts of the Akas. And some years later, the whole tribe, the whole tribe turned to faith in Christ, including the very man who had killed Jim Elliot. And not long before he was martyred, Jim Elliot had written in his personal journal uh, these famous words, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. What can you really keep? Let me ask you this morning, what is your life? What is your life? Your life is a vapor, the Bible says. You're like grass that rises up in the morning and is fried to a crisp by the evening. Grass that rises up, green, fresh, and then fades. And what are your possessions? They're assets that are given to you by God to manage for his kingdom, for his fame, for his glory, for his redemptive purposes in the world. So how will you steward your life? How will you steward your possessions? 
One of the things that people often say about their impression of LifePoint Church is that it's authentic. And I'm asking you, LifePoint Church, to demonstrate the authenticity of your faith, the authenticity of your great love for God by rising up and doing something so faith-motivated, so loving, so generous, so sacrificial, that in the words of Joshua 24:24, all the peoples of the earth will know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that, that your friends, that, that our neighbors, looking on at what God does in and through LifePoint Church, will know that, 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 that God is powerful, that we together will be forever be amazed at his infinite power and his love and his wisdom. I'm about to close, but if you want more information about Vision Next, you can go to mylpclacy.com forward slash Vision Next. That's our central hub. You'll find a website there that's got all the information about Vision Next. And then following this service up in the library, uh, our elders are offering a question and answer uh, session. Um, there's food up there too, I'm told, so uh, that's exciting. But if you have questions about any of this and how you can invest in Vision Next, any of the details, uh, we would love to talk further with you. LifePoint, this is way beyond me. It's way beyond any of us on our own. But we're better together, and God can use us in powerful ways to multiply our gifts for his kingdom. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your faithfulness to us. Thank you for the many ways in our lives that you've demonstrated your power and your love. And Lord, thank you for allowing us to be a part of your ministry of reconciliation in this world. Thank you for filling us with your Holy Spirit that we would be the representatives of Christ on earth. So Lord, help us to be found faithful, faithful in our telling of the story, faithful in the sharing of our faith, faithful in our invitation to others to be a part of your kingdom and faithful in our stewardship. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.